Good evening and welcome to another episode of Unstoppable Overcomers. Tonight's sponsor is a camaraderie rescue mission with their six month uh, Freedom Boat Club membership valued at over $7,500. Your ticket tonight is only $100 plus you get your t-shirt with that as well. So go to www.tcrmi.org backslash shop to purchase your tickets today. And the real winner is real winners are our veterans that that goes to support as well. We have uh, Dr. Joseph DeTore with his book, Secrets in Depth. It's definitely a book that you want to get your hands on. It's filled with rich, detailed information on this crippling military factual thriller that shows the depth of darkness acquired after three decades of service. You can get your copy today on either Amazon or Barnes and Noble. And I am super excited to bring to the stage Eric Anderson. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. This guy is incredible, but I'm not going to steal his thunder. Eric, you tell our guests who don't know you at all just exactly who you are and what it is that you do. Okay, my name is Eric Ryan Anderson. I was born in San Jose, California, and I was adopted about three weeks after I was born. I'm one of those children that somebody would have to make a decision on if they were thinking about an abortion. And myself and my wife both were adopted, and we don't know. At that time, had it been legal, we may not be here. Grew up a little bit in Washington State, moved to Florida in 1975. I was here for the bicentennial. Did my entire schooling career in Florida, but I went to 14 different schools during that time. We moved all over the place. I joined the United States Marine Corps at 17 years old. I was 17 in November, January, I joined the Marine Corps. I was in boot camp when uh, probably should have been going to school. And I was aboard a ship when the rest of my class was graduating. The Marine Corps was good for me. It gave me some structure. I was the only Marine that I knew that got recycled in boot camp for being belligerent. I was pretty sure that I was at Paris Island, South Carolina to do the instruction. My drill instructors had other ideas. After I left the Marine Corps, I was a state trooper in Washington State. I did some truck driving. I drove a fuel tanker over the road. I drove uh, heavy equipment, got into construction. I did about 21 years in construction with traffic signals, highway signs, and structures. I've uh, done sales. I've done motivational speaking. I've been on a show called Top Shot, History Channel's Top Shot. I was on season number two, Cowboy from Florida. Also a presenter for Gun TV. Gun TV was kind of like the home shopping network with guns. And what was really cool about the, the show was we would take guns out, shoot them. They would film us shooting the firearms. They would shoot us uh, doing different things with them, taking them apart, putting it together, explaining the nomenclature, the functioning. And then we would do a show for that particular firearm and people at home could order it online the firearm would be shipped to their nearest FFL and then it would be transferred. And what that did was it gave you an opportunity to sit at home, eat Cheetos and drink a beer and have somebody show you about this firearm instead of, you know, a lot of times when you go to a gun shop, you got some great big knuckle dragger behind the counter and he knows everything about guns and he intimidates most of the people in the environment. And here's this lady who just wants a gun so she'll feel, you know, a little safer or her kids or grandkids said, you know, grandma, you need to have a firearm. And it's more for uh, them to feel comfortable. 
kind of like a teddy bear for a five-year-old. Well, they get an opportunity to have Eric Anderson explain it to them on TV. And then they, they say, yeah, I really like that. And then they could order it and ship to an FFL. And their exposure to a knuckle dragger is just a little bit less. And no offense to any of the knuckle draggers, but sometimes they intimidate folks that are wanting to buy a firearm. And if you think about it, with the way our society is and the way the news media portrays it, guns will just sneak out of your gun safe in the middle of the night and kill you because that's what they've portrayed. I teach a concealed carry class at my house as well. It's a firearm safety class. It's generated and designed to explain firearms from zero to where they could be a competitive shooter. I have in my class, everybody that graduates will have shot an AR-15 or an AR-10 because the news media so often makes it out to be the bad AR-15. Well, now they've shot one and they realize it is not all that. It didn't eat them. It also gives them an opportunity to ask questions in an environment where it's fun. We have the blue guns. We go over the different things that we need for safety and understanding talk about children and firearms in the home and all the way children learn about them. And one of the things that we're going to talk about probably tonight at some point is going to be the psychology and the psychological effects of grinding something into somebody to the point where it's imprinted into their subconscious and they don't even think about it anymore. They're just scared. Right. So that was one of the things that I've done. Now I, uh, I worked for the County for a while and now I run strictly on my business here. I, I train horses, I teach people to ride horses. We do trail rides. People can come out and do a morning sunrise ride or an evening sunset ride. Uh, we do team building here as well. We have an incredible piece of paradise right here. God has blessed us with it. And we share people with that. My wife and I compete in cowboy mounted shooting. And if you look across the top up there, are you still there? Yeah, I'm you, there. Okay, if you look I'm across there. the top, of the uh hang on i lost you you're kind of, of the top behind me you'll see all those buckles up top mm -hmm. those are all buckles my horses have worn all the way across wow. there and they've done that in cowboy mounted shooting which is an incredible sport where you ride a horse and shoot targets from the horse with single action 45 long colts now you want to talk about an adrenaline rush this is squared away on every level. Shooting targets from the back of a horse. Look out wider, here we come. <laughs> so that's what I do for, for everyday life. I live in paradise. I surround myself with really good people. I steer and focus towards the positive, although I don't mind solving issues, but I always focus on the positive. Right. Absolutely. You have been one of the most positive people that I've ever talked to in like years. And I, and your, your paradise, your property is paradise. Eric did show me the, uh, the ranch just before we started. So one of the things that you had asked me about were my fundamentals and the fundamental. But, but wait, that's that, that's the last 15 minutes of the show. Okay. All right, go ahead. Rock. That so that's that's when we bring Kimberly on. So right now it's just we're talking about you. We're having fun with okay. you. All right. So <laughs> horses and, and in my world, I can tell you that you learn how to communicate probably better than anywhere from the back of a horse. 
because you can't say, hey, that ain't what I meant. You have to adjust. You have right. to you have to direct. And, and I explain it to people that are first learning to ride, kind of like if you and I were to go out on the dance floor right. and I put you into my arms and I'm holding you. And now I'm going to ask you to step. Well, I lead you into that step. I don't say, hey, take a step with your right foot. And I certainly don't kick you. I hear it all the time. Kick the horse. Kick him. Yeah. <laughs> Try that on your girlfriend. Take her out on the dance floor and kick her and see if she'll dance without you. She sure will right on top of your head. What we have to do is learn to communicate through direction. And we lead the horses into every everything that we ask them to do. We lead them. And you have to do it in a manner where they want to follow. So the relationship is probably more important with your horse sometimes than it is with people, because with a person, you can communicate their language most of the time. Right. Uh, you ask a question, I can answer you. Your horse asks a question. It's, it's different. It's a different feel. It's a different look. They can't tell you, hey, the saddle's hurting my back. They've got to shake it off or shake you off. They can't communicate with you the way we do verbally. But if you will watch the same signs you watch with a person when you're speaking with them, the horse will do exactly the same thing. And I get teased that your horses are like dogs. Well, the dogs and the horses are both animals that don't communicate with us the same way we communicate with each other. Now, certainly uh, with your dog, when you say, come here. Uh oh, the tail goes down between their legs and they're coming over there slowly because they know they're fixing to get beat to sleep for something that they probably didn't even do. But just the voice tone for your dog makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Horses, when you're approaching them, will watch your mannerisms and your body language and know by the time you get in front of them about what kind of person you are. And we bring so much luggage to that relationship. It is incredible. Because we've heard the same, oh, stay away from the back of them. They'll kick you. Watch it. He'll bite you. Well, why would he bite you and why would he kick you? Did you start something with him? Is there a relationship that we don't know about? Is this horse has a history of doing mean things because he's been treated meanly? That's, that's the way it is. It's like your kids, you know. Mm -hmm. You are going to establish a relationship with a horse the same way you're going to establish a relationship with your younger children. And you'll imprint them the same way. You know, we all know that in the early stages of life, we learn some pretty key things. We learn, well, we learn how to wipe our butt and brush our teeth and comb our hair, and take a shower. All these things that we learn. Also, the interpersonal skills that we learn from adults. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. All of those things are learned at an early age. And I can tell you, you ain't blaming it on the teacher. Right. Because day one, the very first day of school, when that child walks into that classroom, that teacher knows within five minutes what kind of home life that child has by the way they interact with the other students and with the teacher. Mm -hmm. So don't roll that on the teachers. That's our responsibility. As you know, well, maybe you don't know. In 2007, I had 10 foster children at one time. Wow. Foster parent of the year, because I understand that you treat those young people with respect and understanding. They will do things for you because they respect you, not because they're afraid of you. And that's the same relationship we have with our dogs and with our horses. You want them to do what 
they need to do that you've asked them to do because they want to do it for you, not because they're afraid of you. So Absolutely. in a nutshell, that's horsemanship. I love that. I love all of that. And we were just talking about like the no sir, yes sir, before we came on air. Uh, and so, yeah, that <laughs> we, we were talking about, you know, how some day, some people nowadays take offense to that, but it's just good old fashioned respect. And so you're showing respect to a person or you're showing respect to your horse or an animal. So I love that. So one of the, one of the things that I like to do when I'm working with horses and we're like on the wash rack or we're doing, I'll talk to them as I'm going and explain them to them what I'm doing in my language. All right, pal, I'm fixing to pick up your left foot. I'm going to clean around and I'm talking to them in this tone. So they get used to my tones because that's another form of communication in the early stages of training, the shooting portions. And I'll get folks that have been shooting all their life. I'll get folks that have just started shooting. I've been teaching the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission hunter safety course for about 17 years. And can you imagine as a Marine walking into a class where you can't refer to the firearm as a weapon because that's police and police and your military always call a firearm a weapon because at that time it's used as a weapon. Well, now we're in the civilian world and the last thing we want to do is refer to a firearm as a weapon because it instantly gives people the idea it was designed to hurt something. And that's not all firearms are used for. Yes, we use them for protection. We use them for that, but we also use them for sports. We use them for training. We, I think it was on Top Shot that the first time I told him, I said, listen, a firearm is an incredible piece of equipment. Because if used properly, a five-year-old kid can compete against his 60-year-old grandfather and the playing field is level. Because if that child is taught properly, they can shoot every bit as good as their grandfather. They don't have to be in better shape. They don't have to be able to run any further. They don't have to do any jump, none of that. They just gotta be able to have the hand-eye coordination and squeeze the trigger while keeping the front sight aligned and the rear sight aperture and the target downrange that simple and most of the time when ladies will come with their with their husbands to class the lady will outshoot the husband by the end of the day because she'll listen and pay attention and do what you ask her to do he already knows everything so you got the horsemanship you got the shooting and then we'll talk about the psychologicals of training and dealing with that as a firefighter we would roll on scenes where people are usually in need of some assistance, whether it's physical assistance or getting out of something or in something or putting a fire out or doing some sort of assistance where they need as, as simple as helping them get up off the floor or off of the toilet. It, it, you'll get calls for that as well to happen to start somebody's heart and do CPR and breathe for them. So, I've said it before, some of the highest highs and the lowest lows have been on that truck. There's no feeling like having somebody walk in on you and say, hey, I want you to have this. I had a lady about, I don't know, five or six years ago, she walked in and she said, I want you to have this. And she handed me a picture and it was a little kid that was standing on a, on a uh, stool and he was getting into some birthday cake and it was just a snapshot. And I go, what's this? And she says, that's because of you. I was, 
maybe I got a kid I don't know about. She goes, do you remember about five years ago, you went to a call, it was, I think it was a pediatric respiratory and there was a lady standing on the porch with a blue baby. I said, yeah, she goes, that's the baby. She goes, that baby wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. I said, ma'am, God did that. I just got to be on scene when it happened. You really need to understand that. And she goes, thank you so much. You know, you saved this life. That, that, that's something that means a lot to you. And you made a difference in somebody's life. And firefighters get to experience that a lot. They also get to experience the other side of that. And I can tell you, I've done CPR with tears rolling down my face because I knew we weren't getting this baby back and praying that this person would be okay with that. It's just, it's just there. And we need to keep the lesson that God delivered to us and leave the luggage. I'll tell you something pretty cool. I told you I worked construction. I also drove a truck here in Florida. I went, we we're building up a, a uh, confinement facility down in Miami. Some people call it a jail. Anyway, we're building it and I stop off at the McDonald's. It's in the morning. I don't, don't judge me. I, hey, I'll eat with the clowns sometimes only because that was it at that time of the morning, right? You'll eat rotten runnies. <laughs> no disrespect to McDonald's. <laughs> no, we're taking it easy. Okay, so I go over to go inside and there's a young girl with a baby in her arms sitting in the middle of the stairs to get into the McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And she's got a, you know, please help sign. And I said, well, this is a great opportunity. So I, I walk up and I said, ma'am, I'm about $2 short from getting the breakfast I want to get this morning. Could you hook me up? And she handed me a $5 bill and she goes, here, sir, get whatever you want. She gave me the money. At that moment, she did exactly what she was asking me to do for her. Now you're thinking, wow. Hmm. Okay. Is it like that for everybody? I don't know, but it was like that that time. And the lesson was there. And here's the lesson that young, I gave her, well, I went in and got my breakfast. I came back and I gave her back her money plus some because that's who I am. And she taught me something right there. I don't know very many jobs where you get instantaneous satisfaction, but she is supplying that for you because you get to go up and give her a dollar or $2 or $10 or $15. And the feeling you get that you've helped somebody is instant. You feel like you did a good deed. That is something that helps brighten your day and makes you feel better about yourself. Mm -hmm. So what she does with that is not my business. And you'll hear people say, ah, she's going to go get drunk. Probably not. But there is cases, I guess, where that happens. That person right then did exactly what they intended to do for that moment and taught us both a lesson. So it doesn't matter. I'll tell you something really cool. I told you I was adopted. Oh, my mother, my mom that I was adopted to, she had four or five husbands before she finally passed away. But she was one of the greatest, uh, one of those people that never wanted to upset anybody. And I was about I don't know, 18, 19 years old. I was home on leave. I was with my mom. She was driving and we're driving down the road and this guy pulls out right in front of her. I mean, right in front of her. this guy with whatever she pulls out or he pulls out. She slams on the brakes and I look over and she's got her left hand down between her leg and the door of the car. 
And I said, what are you doing? He says, I flipped him off. I said, what? She goes, I flipped him off. I said, he couldn't see that. It's it's by your leg. What do you mean you flipped him off? She goes, well, I felt better about it. So she was flipping this guy off. He had no idea that she was flipping him off, but it made her feel better. Now that is squared away on every level because that was the kind of person she was and how she ended up with me. I, I don't know. God had something to do with that. Seriously. She spent that more time in school than I did. We, I was, I got in trouble a lot for alternative thinking and it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't anything like crazy. I mean, nothing really crazy, but it was always goofing off and having a good time. That carried on when I was in the Marine Corps as well. I can tell you some stories about some really cool stuff. Do we? How much time? Do we got time? Oh, we've got time. I just want to sh give a shout out to Dr. J. She's here. Uh, Janelle's here watching you as well. We we got her here. Uh, I I love what you said. Your story about your mom. I, I my dad's mother used to when she was telling somebody off use the this finger instead of the other finger. So my right. brother's like grandma that's not the finger you use. She goes, well, I know, but still, I just, it gives me pleasure to know that I'm telling them off and they don't know. So <laughs> to the day she died, she'd always use this finger. <laughs> See how squared away was that? And and she was taught respect growing up, right? Yeah, the, exactly. Uh, there was one, one time as, as a uh, Sergeant of the guard, when I had three corporals that worked for me and we would come in, and there's three guard shifts, and this is in the beginning of when Marines first get out of boot camp, they go over to the uh, School of Infantry, and they're on guard duty or mess duty, and then they prepare, they get a unit together, and then they start their training. And you're not allowed to have pogey bait in the barracks. And pogey bait is potato chips and all the, all the extracurriculars. You just don't put food in the barracks because then you get rats and mice and ants and roaches and all this other craziness that come with, well, the vectors. One night, about, well, actually one morning, about zero two in the morning, as I'm walking through the barracks, I see Mickey Mouse run across the, across the floor. So I yard up one of the Marines and said, go turn on the lights. He turns on the lights and all the Marines jump out of their racks and they're all standing on these yellow lines that go down both sides of the squad bay. And I explained to them that we have an infiltrator in our barracks, a communist infiltrator, and he needs to be dealt with immediately. He was last seen going that direction. So you have about 50 Marines that are going over here to close with and destroy Mickey Mouse. And they were supposed to capture him so we could interrogate him on where the rest of the mice were, but that didn't work out. They ended up killing him in the process. When you're do the guard in the school of infantry like that, you also do reveille and taps and all the music that's played on the on the base is generated from the guard. So we went and got the music box. We brought it in. We had a Marine shell out a, a shoe box and we put Mickey in the shoe box and we were preparing to do a funeral. But first, we need to see why Mickey was there. And we went through and did a wall locker inspection and found ourselves with a bunch of pogey bait. We gather up the pogey bait. We got Mickey. We had our pallbearers, road guards, all of it. And we marched ourselves out to the dipsy dumpster in our skivvy drawers at two o'clock in the morning, having a funeral for Mickey Mouse. It was a good time. I felt 
And the next day, the sergeant's major calls me into his office and asks me what I thought I was doing. I said, sir, we were training. And we explained what all went on. And he goes, off the record, that's squared away on every level on the record. You can't do that anymore. Yes, sir. But <laughs> it was one of those times where you got to add some comedy and training involved in doing a wall locker inspection. That's one of the cool things. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Dr. J says you are phenomenal. He has a million stories. His wife is a phenomenal cook. I don't know. Just, how you stay in shape. <laughs> how you oh yeah. She that that woman can cook. Seriously, she's a great cook. And staying in shape, this heat right here, and working horses every day will keep you in shape. It really will. You <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate that. I got one. Just a second. Yeah. And you do have wonderful stories, Eric. It's absolutely amazing. And Kimberly can relate. She's in the private chat saying that she loved it. Her dad um, taught them how to shoot when they were four. So. And, and see, that was something that we did when we were growing up. And I'm going to tell you a quick, well, I'm going to tell you a story about his Parkland shooting, I think, is when it started. There was a we have a, a legislator over in Orlando. Her name's Val Deming, former chief of police over there. She's running to be one of our congressional uh, congresswomen. She's running now. She's a Democrat. And she decided that they were going to do a town hall meeting on. Should we arm teachers? And I got this message on my phone and I'm. I'm on my tractor and I'm like, ah, I parked the tractor. I go in the house. My wife said, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking a shower and I put on a suit and a tie and I go over to Orlando. She says, she says to me, well, what are you going over there for? I said, well, they're going to have a town hall meeting on whether we should arm teachers or not. And I think they need a little bit of adult supervision because there's not going to be a lot of support for that idea. So I went over and I quietly sat in the back of the room until I would say about 15 minutes into it, she says these words. There is nobody in here who can think of any reason why we would arm teachers, is there? <laughs> My hand goes up and you can see the smile on her face because without interaction both ways, you've got nothing. If everybody in the room agrees, then we might as well play pinochle. You know, it's just that we're not doing anything. So I was the lone, the lone guy, the lone ranger. And I walked up to the microphone, introduced myself. My name is Eric Anderson. I own Central Five Security. I talked about, you know, I've been shooting since I was five years old. Da, 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 go on. And I says, if we look at just in this classroom that we're in right now, you've got sprinklers in the ceiling, exit signs above the door. You've got fire extinguishers by the door as well. And we have an alarm system set up for a fire. But if somebody rolls up in here with a firearm, what do we have? These teachers would give their lives for these children, and in many cases have, but you're giving them nothing to work with. Currently, we teach to run, hide, and then fight, but you're giving them nothing to fight with. Arming teachers would be a way that if a situation like this occurred, at least we would have firearms inside the building. That person with the firearm has nothing but targets 
unless somebody shows up with a gun. And that's kind of like getting in a fight and waiting for somebody to get tired of pounding your face in before you hit them back. They're not going to get tired as quick as they would if you were shooting back at them. Mm -hmm. Well, when I sat down, the room erupted. Everybody had something to say. And most of them, what they were saying was absolutely correct, but it wasn't going to cure the issue. They were talking about why they shouldn't have to have this and about what it's like to have 12 or 14 children in a classroom, peeing in a garbage can, hiding under desks. They talked about all of the bad things that go on in this, but nothing that was going to fix it. There was no special answer. At the end of the meeting, I was, I felt like at least some people had heard some alternative ideas. The next meeting, she invited me to the meeting personally. And when I got there, asked me to speak first. So I, I spoke first and I talked about, we have a hunter education through all 50 states. It's the international hunter education program in the state of Florida is ran by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. And it isn't just about hunting, it's firearm safety. It's uh, idiosyncrasies of the animals, the, the animals that we have in our state. It goes over ethics. It goes over, you know, proper kill zones, dressing the meat, how to prepare it. There's a, just a, a plethora of good information that's in this class. Nobody in that room had been to the free class. <laughs> and I explained that. And then I got on the idea after leaving there that I needed to run for sheriff. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. The third meeting that I went to, was in her office. That meeting had eight people that were at a big table and those eight people were hand selected to be there. They had a psych doctor. They had one of the people that was at the uh, Pulse nightclub, the nights it got, remember that? Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people passed there, but the shooting at the Pulse nightclub, this guy was inside the building and the chief of Orange County's school systems, police department, myself, they had a mother against gun violence, a, a legislator from the South end of Chicago, one of the house of representatives. And she's made a statement, you know, like 88 shootings in one weekend in her area. Now they got the strongest gun laws in the country and had 88 shootings. And I'll tell you about that in just a second. And then we had Val. And the first person to speak was the psych doctor. And the psych doctor said something that I had never really thought about, but was pretty squared away. He goes, if you're wanting somebody to do a psychological evaluation before they buy a firearm, they can do a psychological evaluation. And it's good for right then. He goes, they go home and find their spouse in bed with somebody else. They've checked out. They're no longer here with you. And I just told you that they were mentally stable. He goes, that can go from day to day. You know, people don't come into this test and tell you that they're a nutcase. This is something that that you have to deal with as it goes. Yeah. Good information. When the young man that spoke that was at the Pulse nightclub spoke, he just said this. I agree with Eric. He was done as far as he was concerned. There needed to be a firearm in that building that night. And then it probably would have went a little differently. The uh, chief, the chief talked about, you know, the issues in the school the respect issues and the dealing with different cultures, because 
as we all know, different cultures interact and speak differently. Some of them are louder and they just sound like they're trying to kill you and they're just laughing and having a good time. And he talked about the different things that he has to deal with with that. And then when it got to me, I explained my theory on this is an imprint. Now hang out with me for just a minute. When I teach somebody to shoot from a horse, I am teaching them to point and shoot and they have to do it without a conscious thought. It can't be okay. Side alignment, sight, picture, breathe, relax, aim, squeeze. It has to be instantaneous reaction because we're shooting 10 rounds out of two different guns, pulling the hammer back every time we fire that gun and sometimes under nine seconds, two different guns on a horse that's running wide open. You don't have time to think about each shot. It's got to be imprinted into your subconscious and it's imprinted into your subconscious through repetition. The same thing uh, when you te- when you're taught martial arts, how you continually do the same thing over and over and over again in your you're imprinted into the subconscious so you don't need to think about it consciously when it's time to go to work. And it's that way with what I teach for mounted shooting. I'm teaching you to interact immediately without a conscious thought. Sure, your conscious thought of pulling your firearm out and that's where it stops. From then on, it's gotta be imprinted. Now, take a five to 15 year old kid and put him in front of a TV with Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. where you get extra points for splattering somebody's cranium all over the wall and you shoot them again when they're on the ground and you're going through this every single day playing call of duty, you're imprinting into the subconscious, a complete disregard for human life day after day after day. And then you want to ask yourself how a 16 year old kid can walk down the hallway of the local high school and shoot up all the kids in the school. He's been doing it 10 hours a day for most of his life. It's an imprinted into the subconscious behavior. It takes the feeling out of it. And that's wherein we run into trouble. We've done that to our society to a level you can't imagine because what are we focusing on now? What do we focus on when we're watching the news? The flood, the person that died in the car wreck, the shooting, the bank robbery, the riots, That's where all the focus is going and you're focusing on the negativity and negativity breeds negativity. When I was in school, little Susie would get an A plus on the spelling test and get up in front of the class and get a sucker because she did a great job. Now we've turned that direction over to the guy who thinks he's a girl and we're, we're changing the directions of where we're focusing. Why aren't we focusing on the good things like we used to? Why aren't we glorifying the good things? Why aren't we focusing on the positive? Why aren't we making it natural to say yes, sir, no, sir? Why isn't it okay to do something for somebody? We've allowed this to happen on my watch since I've been alive because it didn't happen that way. We had respect for each other when I was growing up. I'll tell you, I was on, I told you, know, I was on Top Shot. One of the scenes, they show us sitting down at the dinner table and I had my elbows on the dinner table. My cousin called me on the phone from Washington State. You look good on TV, you better hope grandma didn't see your elbows on the dinner table. That's right. (laughs) The elbows on the dinner table. I was about the fourth night there. We had uh, three or four active, uh, three active duty military guys on my show. 
I sent the director out to get an American flag. We put it on the back wall. And every night before we sat down and ate dinner, we did a pledge of allegiance and we said a prayer. The person that said the prayer was the one that came back from the competition. Most of the time I would do the prayer, but when somebody won, we would let them be the head of the table and let them do the prayer because that's the right thing to do. And I asked the director, I said, make sure you show this at least one time because I'm tired of the American people thinking everybody that owns the gun is a thug. That is not how that works. And the, the media has caused most of this by focusing on the negative. Right. That's who we are. We're Americans. We believe in America, but the people that are doing the right thing for the right reasons aren't the folks you're going to see on the six o'clock news. Mm -hmm. I can tell you there's millions of people up there in the, the Western United States that didn't riot and burn down Seattle. There was millions of people that would not even pop, won't even entertain the thought of doing something like that. When I was young, I was, was probably seventh grade. I went to Howard Junior High School. And at one point when we kicked off on the, during the football game, I was at one point the only white boy on the football field. We, it was during the time when we, we interacted and it was normal for us as kids. That was just the way we grew up. My platoon sergeant was a dark green Marine, one of my best friends. There, this, this division that they're causing between the races is not who we are. He's on out here to one of the national cemeteries walk through the gravestones of the national cemetery. And I guarantee you, you won't find a color on that gravestone. You won't find Democrat or Republican on that gravestone. Those are Americans. Those are the men and women that have fought for the freedom in this country. And you're doing them a disservice when you don't expose who we are and allow the news media to denigrate our country the way they've done it. That's not who we are. We're Americans. The Democrat Republican thing has divided our country to a level you can't imagine. And I'll tell you this. I had a lady come up to me. We we're getting petitions signed for my wife. And she comes up. And she gets real close to me. She's going to tell me a secret. And she says, I'm a Democrat. I said, why are you whispering? She goes, because some people hate Democrats. And I said, <laughs> I said, man, we're Americans. That's who we are. Really, I promise you, we're Americans. And she goes, well, there's some folks out there that don't realize that. And I want to tell you, two days later, I had a lady that was a Republican do exactly the same thing. She goes, I'm afraid to say it out loud because I don't want any, she said, reprisals or something. She was afraid that somebody was going to hate her because she was a Republican. Who are we, folks? This is America. We're Americans. I don't care if you're a Democrat, independent. I don't even care about that. We are Americans. Those men and women that are buried out there in these national cemeteries, if they got dug up right now and got to see the cluster we've turned this into, they would be very disappointed. And I think we need to take our country back and we need to do it one person at a time. It's time to start treating each other like Americans. That's just my opinion. Eric, I love that. I love that. Every time I don't watch the news because I don't like the negativity and I stay off the social media different sites because I don't want that. Um, and I am really tired of hearing about the divide and it's, it's either you're right. It's it, who cares if you're a Democrat or uh, a Republican, or if you voted for Trump or you didn't vote for Trump or who's ever in power, Biden, I guess now, 
Um, like and and it doesn't matter when we bleed. We're all we. It all comes out red. So who cares? Like this, and I'm really tired of the the divide that it is creating not only in the united states but here in canada as well and this has got to stop we've got to like you said one person at a time and we just really got to lock arms and really it's it's just showing each other respect and common courtesy um you know and uh, accepting each other's viewpoint you don't have to you don't have to like me just because or you don't have to agree with me on everything as long as we're respectful to each other so One of the things that I learned on the campaign trail was how to listen to learn. I used to listen to prepare my argument while you were talking. I was planning what I was going to say next, but now I needed to understand why somebody felt that way. So now when I find somebody that doesn't agree with me, I'm like, what do you know that I don't? You've got to know something that I don't. Otherwise, you wouldn't feel that way because I can tell you this. If you put 10 people in a room and gave them exactly the same information and they watched exactly the same thing, they would not be too far off from one another in difference. Now, there's a certain amount of perception and perception is reality to the individual that perceives it. So as far as you're concerned, your perception is the way it is. Now, a lot of times that's brought on from life experiences, things that you've experienced in the past. Uh, Something some kid in fifth grade said to you may have been with you the rest of your life. And I did a uh, motivational speech for the teachers. They have a uh, like a workshop where they're getting ready to go back to school. And it was facilitators and teachers in this in this big auditorium, 110 ladies one guy, well, two guys, me and somebody else, but the rest of them were ladies and ladies are a lot of fun when you're, when you're doing stuff like this, because we got to talk about boogers and I'll tell you about that in a minute, but all the stuff that we talk about during this motivational speaking. And I explained to them, look, you have a tremendous amount of control with these young people. Something as simple as, Hey, Johnny, I really like that shirt on you. It goes with your eyes or, you know, those are really cool tennis shoes you have. That changes that for them. That shirt goes to the top of the drawer and every time it's clean, they're wearing it. And it's the same thing with you and me. You go out, you bought a new blouse. You wore it over to Walmart on your way in. Some lady in the parking lot says, hey, that looks good on you. And then you get inside and the cashier says, man, that really looks sharp on you. That sucker just moved to the front of the drawer because it was something that was pleasing. People said it looked good on you. Now, as a teacher or somebody that's going to be interacting with young people, you can really do some damage with those same words if you're not cognizant in what you're saying and carrying yourself the way you need to. Because you showed up this morning with no coffee, riding your broom in, doesn't mean it's okay to talk to these young people and say something that's going to cost them their self-worth. You with me? Amen. Absolutely. Yes. So we have a tremendous amount of control on the way we're going to lead and direct and the way we're going to teach. If you want somebody to listen to what you're going to say, you're fixing to show up. I do it all the time with my riders when they're, they're riding out there. And I'll go, hey, look, you got a really, I love the way you sit that horse. You sit that horse really, really good. Now they're listening. They heard something positive. They're all ears because we like to hear good things about ourselves. 
And then I go with, hey, I'd like to see you do this, this, and this, or I'd like to see this. And then they always do that. And when they come back, they're going to ask you how it went, looking for that approval again. These folks are going to do things because they want you to be happy with them. It's mm -hmm. the same way with your dog. It's the same thing with your horse, same way with people that you work with. If they're doing it because they want you happy instead of afraid you're going to write them up or uh, fire them or something like that, it is far better to have your, your people looking for the approval because they want to do the right thing for the right reasons. Absolutely. When, when you remember something, you don't remember when it happened. You remember the last time you remembered it. And that's where you say to yourself, I don't remember it like that. Well, that's because you haven't remembered that since the first time you recalled it. You with me? And sometimes when you have a negative feeling about something that happened, when you remember it, you cause it to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And we do that a lot of times from other people's memories as well when they don't like something. Now, I know I've been rambling and you got something to say. So if you need me, I'll be quiet. Go for it. No, that's okay. I just appreciate everything that you've been saying. And now is the time that we bring on the amazing Kimberly and her guest to the show. And now is the time. We'll, we'll do, I'm going to put the show over to Kimberly and she's going to do the fundamentals. Hi, everybody. Eric, Eric. I, I just, I have one thing to say. Eric for you. president. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rough job right there. <laughs> and then he can come to Canada and he can be prime minister. Hey, whatever, hey, got, whatever. I do right. with a tremendous amount of Canadian folks. And it's a, it's a, it's a nightmare for them to get across the border with the firearms and take them back. Uh, a couple of the articles we did, uh, he's a Canadian, he calls himself a gun plumber. He was in your military in the Canada. He comes down here every year and he shoots with us. He comes over to the guy is incredible. He's a really good guy. And he told me, he goes, Eric, what you told me about firearms and calling it something other than a weapon, because he was military and he always called it a weapon, was the most golden nugget he'd had because it gave him an opportunity to take the scary out of the gun. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to take over your show. Go ahead, young lady. Hey, hey, I'm listening. hey, 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 you know what? It's not our show. I'm gonna tell you a little oh. secret, Eric. Our show is run by the Holy Spirit. That a girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, rock it. That's so, right, that's right. Okay, so I am on location. So where I am on location is Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. I am with the gorgeous and beautiful Molly Clarkson, who is the executive director of Camaraderie Rescue. And Molly is going to share about Camaraderie. She is our sponsor tonight. And so the floor is yours. Why, thank you. And you're welcome. Yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the Camaraderie Rescue Mission Freedom Boat Club raffle. Um, so what we're doing is we are offering a... Uh, a raffle, you buy a t-shirt for $100 and with that t-shirt comes an opportunity to put in your name for a $7,500 six month boat membership. And the Freedom Boat Club has over 350 locations. So if you are all around the country, you can still participate in this raffle. The raffle- The world. Actually the world, yes. We have, they have locations all over the world. So if you want to go on vacation somewhere else and there's a Freedom Boat Club, you can partake. 
Um, our goal through uh, Camaraderie Rescue Mission, by by being able to get these raffles and you know earn the funds, we want to be able to also have our own membership at Freedom Boat Club because part of Camaraderie Rescue um, is trifold. So it's water, horses, and barbecue. And all of these things are important to our founder, Greg Bicknell. And through these types of events, we're trying to provide community through networking for our veterans. So the goal is to eliminate that isolation, um, which has some veterans spiral down and unfortunately leads to their you know, committing suicide. So that is our overall goal is to eliminate isolation and eliminate suicide amongst our veterans. So if you would support Camaraderie Rescue Mission um, and the raffle, we would be very, very grateful. Thank you. Well done. Hey. And you can get your ticket purchase today. Beautiful. Yes. You know, get your people to buy 10, 20, 30, 40. There we go. <laughs> so let's talk about camaraderie uh, in the military. Mm -hmm. I do I do some things with Black Dagger Military Hunt Club with CPS, Complete Parachute Solutions. And basically what it does, it gives the troops an opportunity to come together. Understand something. You feel lonely. You feel like there's not much going on in your life. You've, you've come back. You were completely prepared to die in combat, but now you're back in the real world. And the things that were normal for you aren't there. That's just not, it's not, it's not the same. I had a lady who brought her dad. He was a Korean war veteran to one of the top shot shoots. And he just came there to watch. And we're all sitting around at lunchtime and he's sitting at the table with us and he starts talking. And I look over and she's got tears rolling down her face. I said, what's going on? She goes, I've known my dad my whole life. I never knew any of this about him. I said, baby, he's with the guys now. This is his family. He has a bond here that you can't understand unless you have that bond. And now you're with the men and women like yourself that are veterans that have written that check. And that camaraderie is golden it is golden as simple as having a phone number to call when you're calling somebody that's been there and done that that understands you and who you are the one thing that i hear mostly from the guys is i'm talking to some some doctor that has no idea now we've got a lot of doctors that do have an idea that have been there and done that but when it's clinical it's different and it's one thing when you can interact with your brothers and sisters and share things and it can be simple i mean as simple as putting the toilet paper on a roll, just being able to have somebody to talk to and y'all can giggle about it. You know what I mean? It's, it is the camaraderie and getting the troops together is golden. It changes everything. And that is absolutely the way it needs to be because we have to stand together with each other and stand up for each other. Amen. Great program. Great program. Yeah. I've had one of, he, he, Greg brought a, a lady out here, I believe to ride one of my horses. Did you hear about it? Yep, and, and let's share it, let's share it with the audience. You want me to do the sharing? Do it. Okay, so I don't, I have no idea what was going on with this young lady, but I have, a, I have a clue. I put her with my horse, one of my horses, and we went over how to tack the horse up, even though she had ridden before, 
and we, we got everything like it needed to be. And I took her out to the round pen and she rode around the round pen. Pretty soon she was doing it on her own and we'll go in a round pen. And I, I, I go there when I have people that are new riders, because when you're inside the round pen, all you have to worry about at that point is just you and your horse. There's no, nothing else to see. There's, there's no other horses. There's no dogs. It's just you and the horse. And it gives you an opportunity to share your spirit with a horse. And if you let yourself, you can let it go. And she rode around for a while. And when she came out of there, she was a different person. She, she was having a, I'm not a, I'm not one of y'all. I'm not one of them psych doctors that goes hocus pocus and all that stuff. But I can tell you this, you don't have to be a genius to see that this young lady was having it. By the time she got to the barn, she was coming apart and she just, it was something she needed to do. That release came out right there with that horse. And it was like you said earlier, God makes this happen and God puts these creatures out there and they are an absolute mirror of the way you treat them. Yeah. This girl let it all go right there with that horse. And I, Hey, it was an awakening on every level. It was an incredible to see. It was incredible to be a part of that. And I can tell you that happens when the right people do the right things for the right reasons and they let God run the show. Well said, well said. And that, and that is a demonstration of what you guys provide at Come Already Rescue, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, what we do is we partner with other uh, nonprofits for veterans. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to build that network and that community. So there's something for every veteran. So some veterans like adventure. Um, I might be an adrenaline junkie. I'm not saying yes or no, but maybe. Um, and so like those, those like real type of adventures, that's what speaks to my soul. Um, and some people want something a little bit more casual or, you know, something a little relaxed. bit more relaxed. Yeah. So you know, fishing trips. Um, so camaraderie rescue is really trying to create that network and that, that connection for veterans to plug them in to their tribe, into their community. So that way, even if, you know, they're states away, they have someone who's checking on them. Hey, we went on that trip. Like, this lady right here um, had the pleasure of going on ghost ship warriors with her back earlier this spring. And we got to see one of our, our vedettes, one of our, our other scallywags this weekend. Yes, and a shout out to her now. Yeah. Hey, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also, you know, we just, we check in with, with our other ladies that we went out with and we were out for six days and they're, they're like sisters. Um, we all have, a military background so we we understand some of the challenges that each one has gone through we were able to open up to one another and and really just kind of let some things go in a very you know relaxed and gorgeous serene setting and so that's that's our goal is to to provide community and network for for veterans so that way they don't feel alone one of the things that i talk about is you're put in places for lessons. God's putting you there for a reason. Mm -hmm. uh, I was on my way home one night and there's this terrible traffic jam. By the time I got up to where it was, there's an older gentleman with his car with the hood up and he's kind of got traffic. He's impeding traffic more than a little bit and people are beeping their horns and they're being really nasty. 
So I pull up onto the right side of him, up onto the curb. I get out of my truck. I walk over. I said, what's going on, sir? And he is visibly shaking. Mm -hmm. He is this tore up over this. I said, what's going on, sir? He goes, my, my car won't start. He says, I got a battery in the trunk, but I don't have the tools to change the battery out. I said, okay, well, let's, let's look at it. And you could tell that his battery had some corrosion on the posts. And in Florida, sometimes that will actually create a barrier and not let there be contact. So I'm loosening his battery posts. I'm going to clean them up. And this guy comes right up beside us and he's calling us everything but our mother's children. He's got his middle finger out the window and the guy is just being nasty. And uh, when the guy goes on, the older fellow looks at me, he goes, he goes, man, how do you handle that? I said, aren't we blessed? And he goes, what do you mean? Aren't we blessed? I said, that guy has got to live with himself. Yeah. He is that way all the time. He is yeah. going to die lonely. Nobody wants to be around that. And you and me are here having a good time fixing your battery. Are you kidding me? He goes, I never thought of it like that. Like, How blessed are we? So we get it cleaned up. Eric for president. <laughs> I said Eric, that. Eric, I, I got I to grab you here. I think we've got what two minutes you got one minutes for your fundamentals that means you got one okay go okay so the fundamentals are this it's communication listening to understand you got to listen to understand and then ask the question so you know where this person is anytime you're dealing with anything like that a difference in opinion or a difference in thought process in and I don't say interrogate, but look in, ask the people the questions so you can understand why they feel the way they do. And that as a yeah. sheriff is exactly what I'm going to do. Because understand, security is a process and it is a feeling. Your perception on how safe you are is your perception. You're responsible for your own happiness. Focus on the positive, strive for your goals and love you. God said to forgive, right? You need That's to forgive right. yourself first. Forgive you. Give it to God. Forgive you. Please forgive you first. Trust me. That's the beginning of forgiveness. I'm Eric Anderson, and I approve this message. <laughs> and his wife is going for county commissioner tomorrow, so vote for her, too. Yes, please. Hold on. Hold on. We got to give Molly her. I don't know how to yes. compute with that. You don't. No, don't. No. So that's how you compete with it. You no. stole my thunder on one. I, I absolutely agree with the communication. If we can communicate, we can we can change the world. Um, my other fundamentals are family, um, because nothing is like family, and they don't have to be blood to be family. Um, you can create your family, um, but also walking in purpose. So that's that's my other fundamental. Is Beautiful. learn to walk in your purpose, because when you do. You radiate it, and everybody is wondering what the heck, what the heck you've got, and they want it. So, yeah. okay, equally, Molly for president. <laughs> Molly for president. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dorothy, I nailed it. It's on the nose. Back to you. Wow, this has been an amazing, amazing experience tonight. I just want to thank our guests for being in the comments. And again, one last time to get your camaraderie rescue mission raffle tickets tonight. It's www.tcrmi.org backslash shop. And yes, I have been known to sing that. 
And somebody goes, how do you do that? Because I say it at least 20,000 times a day. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Eric, I, it's just been a pleasure to, to have you on here. Like you have lit, you've been like lit up at like a Christmas tree the entire time. And I've never had somebody with that kind of vibe on the show before. Like seriously, from beginning to end, I just, I, I bless you. And I thank you for that. And you actually brought me back and reminded me of, of my childhood with the horses that we used to have back then. So thank you for that. And when I do make my way to Florida, we are going to have to go to your ranch for sure. Uh, that is a must. That is a must. And I love shooting guns. So, hey, I've never tried it while riding a horse. This could be hey, we'll get some good photos. <laughs> we might have to take them to the emergency room, but we'll get some good photos. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. And thank you, Molly, for being on the show tonight. Um, and thank you to my amazing partner too for being here and so with that that's a wrap and we'll see you next next monday same time same channel and remember be unstoppable in all that you do bye for now bye everybody bye y'all <laughs>